everyone. Welcome back to Quest Markers, episode two. Thank you for being here. My name is Marina. My pronouns are she, her. And today we're talking about Metroid Dread. Spoiler warning, we will be talking about the entire game. So heavy Metroid Dread spoilers. And we do touch on Metroid Fusion, Metroid Zero Mission, Metroid Prime 1, 2, and 3, as well as other M, but only light, high-level spoilers for those games. If you haven't played Dread, I'd argue that it's a great first entry into the series, and let's get started. Today's guest is my good friend, Ren. I am so excited to have you here. Hello, I'm thrilled to be here. It's such an honor to be on your podcast. Oh, no, 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 no. That goes the other way around. (laughs) It is an honor to have you. Tell us a little bit about you. Um, Hello, my name is Serenity, but uh, you are all invited to call me Ren. I also use she, her pronouns. I have been playing video games since I was eight years old, I think. Uh, My cousin handed me his original Game Boy and it had a cartridge of that whatever like original like Castlevania game came out with the Game Boy along with a couple others. Uh, I think I had a Mario game in there as well. It's just like this this bag of cartridges. (laughs) Uh, I like to joke that I am a recovering academic. (laughs) I mean, true. Um, I I was a media scholar. I recently left academia this year uh, because I decided it was time for me to pursue my dream career of working in video games. And uh, earlier this year, I was really lucky. I landed this dream job with an amazing team. I do some QA, I do some localization, and it has just been a complete dream come true. And you're hitting your one year soon. So congratulations. Yes. Excited. Thank you. So one exciting. year. I'm going to have a cake with like a little one oh, on my it. Goodness. I'm going to blow out the candle. It's going to be perfect. It's been a nice transition. Like as somebody who was formerly a media scholar, mm. thinking a lot about like reception of media and like content of media to go into like the production side that Mm. like I hardly ever looked at when I was a scholar. That's been really cool. I love that. Oh, that makes me so happy. Congrats on your almost one year. Thank you. Thank you. Love it. All right. I asked Kinsey this on the last episode and now it's just going to be a thing. So question, are you staying hydrated? What are you drinking? Indeed. I love to drink water, but today I am actually drinking, I brewed this right before we started recording, a cup of my favorite tea called Tiance. It's really good. If anybody listening is interested in getting their own cup of Tiance, uh, it is sold through the Calabash Tea Company and you can find their website by Googling them. Oh, that's so good. Also, this is not sponsored. I think no. It's not. It is not sponsored. I just really love their tea. I love that. Um, I told you this before we hit record, but it's it's just after 6 p.m. in our time zone. Mm-hmm. I am absolutely not allowed to be having coffee right now. I am Mm-mm. absolutely drinking coffee right now. Um, <laughs> I also have water and I also have a protein shake. You've got everything covered. you got the whole I have, spread. I have everything. Props to you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate it. Before we get into it, what are some of your favorite games or favorite game series? Mm, well, fortunately for us, one of my favorite game series is Metroid. I would also have to say I really, really love the Pokemon series. Currently also playing Genshin Impact. Gosh, I also... Uh, I've been trying to get you onto this game and we did play a little bit of it before it got really scary, but I like one of my formative games is called Oxenfree. My gosh, what a beautiful example of like Mm. branching storylines and just complex dialogue. I really love it. I'm down to revisit that. 
I don't think that I can play it though, because I get scared really easily. <laughs> That's okay. I, I'm shocked that I got through it because I'm such a weenie <laughs> when it comes to scary games. I'm I'm down for you to stream it for me again. I don't know if I could actually play it alone by myself. It's pretty scary. I found that the smaller a screen you play it on, the better. Yeah, that's that's the only way that I would have to even watch it, probably. <laughs> um, all right. So before we get into Metroid Dread, what are you playing right now? Right now, I am playing Pokemon Scarlet, which I was describing it to a friend today who was considering whether or not to buy it. And he said, well, I've heard it's really buggy. And I said, yes, but I do QA for a living. And the part of me that really enjoys finding bugs and like seeing all the different ways I can break the game has actually been really enjoying that <laughs> part as well. But overall, bugs aside, some of them are a little bit intrusive to the game, but I do think it's one of the games that Pokemon franchise has like dedicated to the really hardcore players. There's so many more mechanics of like, how you can customize Pokemon strengths and breed them. Um, they have cut out quite a bit of like the, the flavor text and like going into little buildings is no longer a thing, but overall, it's one of my favorite Pokemon games so far. Yeah, I've heard that it's really, really good. Um, I'm playing FF14. I just got to the Shadowbringers expansion, and it is blowing my mind. I will be playing this for the foreseeable future. Uh, it is fantastic. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's talk about Metroid Dread. Let's do it. What Metroid games have you played? I have actually surprisingly played through and completed very few of them. Um, and part of that is because my hands, like they don't work great. Um, they work pretty good, but, uh, my fingers fatigue very quickly. And a lot of the games, like, especially the ones where you need to have really, really solid reflexes, um, just not really that accessible to me. And I want to say that Nintendo has been working on it, but <laughs> the most recent one has shown me it is completely not like accessibility friendly and that's mm. okay. I just find someone who I really like their play style and I watch through them. When Metroid Dread came out, I wasn't the one who played it like physically because uh, my partner, uh, he was the one who like physically played through it because he has much better fast twitch reflexes than I do. But the story, my gosh, I was there with my nose to the screen, like the entire story. But to answer your question, I played Metroid Fusion and then I played Metroid Zero Mission uh, I watched several playthroughs of some of the games that came out in between because so Zero Mission isn't the first game, but like chronologically, it's like a remake of the first game. And then when Metroid Dread came out, I was just like, oh my gosh, like we're going to see Samus, like we're going to see her in like so much detail. Oh, I'm forgetting to mention that I also played Metroid Prime on the GameCube. Um, and that has a couple sequels as well. Oh um, my goodness. Wait, hold on. How have I not yes. known that you have played... What? Wait, have you played all of the entire trilogy or just Metroid Prime? I played the first two of whatever that trilogy was, and then I didn't play the third one. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wait, yes. how have I not known this? I know so few people that have played Metroid Prime. I had a friend was trying to get me to play <laughs> the Metroid Prime trilogy like ages ago to the point where like he brought his discs to school. Oh my God. Like, Marina, you need to play these. And I was like, yeah, I'm not really a first-person shooter person. <laughs> I'm not one of those. But I fell in love. I, f I just, I fell in love with that trilogy. I didn't know that you played it. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. It was the first time I ever played a first-person shooter as well. And I learned that I am really bad at platforming when you can't see your own feet. <laughs> yeah, me too. 
And just to your earlier point, I do think that it's really important as an industry for us to be making games that are more accessible so that everyone is able to enjoy these stories. And it's really heartening to see so many accessibility features in games that, you know, I've recently played. And at the same time, I think that the pace at which we're implementing accessibility features needs to be faster. So with Metroid games, I feel like a huge focus is on the environmental storytelling. But in Dread, we also did get like a couple of cutscenes are really standing out to me in terms of story. Mm-hmm. How do you think that Metroid games tell their story? Oh, that's a fantastic question. Initially, the Metroid games were really just about establishing Samus as a hero. Mm. As I've gone through and kind of grown up alongside the series, it was very much about how do we familiarize the audience with this character that we know very little about, but at the same time, we're moving with them. We are like trying to establish some really similar tropes of like, we're slowly powering up this character throughout the game. And then simultaneously, we're also trying to establish here's this really lore-rich world that this character is interacting with and learning about just as much as the player is learning about. I remember reading something about how the the kind of the gender reveal was meant to be when the player is first introduced to Samus mm. and how her design has actually like shifted quite a bit over the years. But I know that Samus being a woman was a massive, massive component to like the uptake of the character and the characterization and how everything kind of fits into the lore of the Chozo and like the kind of challenges that she overcomes. Mm. I'm thinking about the themes now of what does that actually mean in the context of Samus also being this really like fiercely independent warrior because of the Metroid games that I've played which are Super Metroid, all three Metroid Prime games, and Dread. One common theme in all of them is that Samus is this like highly independent warrior with maybe the exception of Metroid Prime 3. And I think that we really, really see that independence being put to the test in Dread because like when you go into those rooms that Emmys are patrolling, you really do get the sense of, I am alone. Mm -hmm. I am alone with this machine that is really out to get me. And I feel like Metroid games are really, really good at establishing and using environmental storytelling to establish that feeling of isolation and being alone. And to your point, I feel like that theme of being stripped of all of your power and having to regain it again is something that's so core to the series. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And that's what I think Metroid Dread is kind of the purest example of like how the storytelling team has grown into their environmental storytelling. Mm. Exactly like you pointed out, like not only are they nailing the feeling of like, oh, like here's a really powerful woman, here's a really powerful warrior. And then all of a sudden, like they're adding the dread element to it, right? Mm. They're adding just like this fear and kind of this primal, like you are not capable of taking on this this opponent under unless it's under really specific circumstances. Because like, so if we think about Samus, right? She She's an orphan who was like, her parents were killed by the space pirates, right? Mm. And then um, she was found by the Chozo, like the, the bird alien things. Mm. And they like they added their DNA to her, which is Mm -hmm. just like wild. Like it explains why she's so big and so strong Mm -hmm. and so powerful. And so like, she has like kind of the backing of like all these powerful, powerful beings. And she goes off and she's like fighting with the Galactic Federation because she's like, you know, 
through these pirates that killed my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I hate Ridley. <laughs> We're going to take Ridley down. <laughs> yep. Um, but one of my favorite elements over the years, especially since my original introduction to the Metroid series was fusion is kind of how they keep working Adam Malkovich into like different parts of the series. Mm. Um, and it's just kind of an interesting like companion point, I want to say to like, like you said, like the the independence and the power that Sam is always, or at least over time, like gains and then kind of loses and gains and then loses. Yeah. In other M, I I haven't played it, but I think that that's where Samus and Adam's relationship is really shown. It is. It's always nice to see, you know, that her ship's computer is called Adam and it's called Adam for yes. a reason because they had a really special friendship and relationship. And Adam, you can correct me if I'm wrong, was also a mentor to Samus. 100%. Like very much like a parent sort of father figure. Mm. Um, I'm reading right now. It says other M really humanizes Samus, um, really goes through her emotional situation and really kind of unpacks what she experiences every time she encounters Ridley, which Mm. sounds phenomenal. Yeah. And Ridley has come up in the series so many times. And I was surprised that Ridley did not come up in in dread yeah. at all, which maybe that's a good thing. But I will say music is is such a huge thing that I look for when I'm deciding what to play, because if a game has good music, I'm, I'm more inclined to play it. I love Ridley's theme. Like, I love all of the iterations it's of Ridley's really theme. It's really good. Yeah. And when I was playing Dread, I was like, I just want to hear the iteration of Ridley's theme that comes up here. And then Ridley was not in the game. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a big surprise to me as well, because mm. it's kind of like Samus is a great character. And I do feel like Ridley is kind of like the thing that keeps her going. Mm. Um, but it was a big surprise to me to see them like be like, oh, actually, like the ex-parasites are going to be the thing that you're going to be fighting again in this game. Mm -hmm. Because the ex-parasites are the primary villain in Fusion, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like completely taken aback. I was like, oh, my Fusion knowledge is coming in handy. That's right. (laughs) Wait, so how did that feel for you, given that that was a game that you played years ago and then now going into Dread and and watching your partner play Dread? Was it nostalgic? Was it horrifying? (laughs) Because I haven't haven't played Fusion. So this is my first time encountering the ex... I knew of them, but it was my first time encountering the ex-parasite. Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, so Mike is a really, really quick player. It's really fun to play games with Mike. Unle- no, unless unless you're playing him. I'm so sorry to interrupt. Unless you're playing <laughs> Smash against him, it is not fun. It shout is out to Mike. Not, shout out to Mike. It is not fun. Demolishing everybody in Smash. <laughs> not fun to play no. against Mike in no. Smash. But also shout out to Mike for teaching me what my weak points are were in Smash. So. <laughs> I mean, but that also gives people like a sense of like, you know, his fast switch is phenomenal. It is unreal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it was really cool to be like, quote unquote, like really useful, resourceful knowledge of like, oh, ex-parasites, here's what, you know, here's how they interacted with you in Fusion. Because like, it's really counterintuitive to be like, oh, let me kill this monster and then eat the thing that <laughs> comes out of it. <laughs> but it heals you because Samus is the only person who who's had the vaccine to the ex-parasite. Mm, yep. <laughs> and one thing that I remember as I played Dread, um, 
that really stood out to me and that I, I feel like probably stands out to most people that have played the game is Samus Talks. Yes. That was a moment. Yeah. So, yeah, so to speak more to your question about music and sound design and her speaking, it floored me. I was like mm. kind of, I usually don't, and this is like to my shame, but like it's about 50-50 if I can even listen to music while I'm playing games. Mm. Um, but mostly because sometimes, you know, you're, Maybe you're playing in public on public transit mm -hmm. or, you know, you don't have your headphones with you. Um, and my partner, Mike, has this like phenomenal sound setup right now. So we got to play the whole game on this like amazing sound setup. So to hear Samus's voice, like along with the rest of the really cool sound design, the really eerie like dripping and the music that creates so much suspense and then getting to the scene where she speaks. My gosh, like what a powerful moment to wind up mm. to. And then the character that she speaks with meets their demise. Yeah. Afterwards as well. It's it's just so phenomenal. It's such a great climax to the story. It's one of those moments of like, oh, Samus now has a connection with this Chozo quiet robe. Mm -hmm. And then that becomes, after they're killed, I feel like becomes, I don't know, do you think that it becomes a vendetta to go after Ravenbeak? I would say so, because... He's been pretending to be Adam. Yeah. Like, he openly admits to her he just wanted to make clones of her. Like, he wanted to clone her because she has some Metroid powers in her. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I don't blame her at all for, you know, <laughs> going after him after he's, like, openly admitting, like, yeah, like, I know I'm really important to you, but just so you know, like, this was my plan with you all along. I mean, that was such a moment. And I, I think you know what my play style is. It's very much, I want to know nothing going mm -hmm. into a game. Like, absolutely nothing. The Game Awards are tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm going to watch any of the trailers that I'm interested in. I mean, that's valid. Genuinely, because I love going into games knowing nothing because of reveals like this. Because the entire time, you're like, oh yeah, Adam is helping me on this planet, ZDR, ZDR. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when you learn that Ravenbeak was masquerading as Adam, you're like, no, mm -hmm. no, mm -hmm. no. It's a big betrayal. Absolutely. I was going to say, um, your comment about like not wanting to watch trailers really resonates with me because I remember taking a class at one point and the professor was a professor in literature and we like part of the class was to go watch plays of the books and the plays that we had read mm -hmm. And one of the plays that like was on the syllabus, the professor had no idea anything about it. She was like, I've never That's read cool. the book. I've never like heard anything about it. And to be quite honest, just such a treat for me to go in and experience a story that I have no idea about that. I just, I really don't want to know anything about it. I just want to go and be an audience member for once. Yeah, that's how I go into games. Yeah, I feel like that's such a rare treat for us these days with the way that games and just media in a lot of respects are promoted. By like, uh, let me just out lay out the entire plot in the trailer for you. Yeah, yeah. So at the very end of the game, I was like, okay, we're done with surprises. Samus is is confronting Ravenbeak, and all right, final showdown, amazing. And then towards the end of that boss fight, Samus unlocks these new powers that we've never seen before. And this is yeah. after this is after we learned that you know Ravenbeak has, has been masquerading as Adam. They reveal that they spared her so that she could awaken her Metroid powers, as you said, so that then they would be able to clone her and create an army of 
essentially the most powerful Metroid in existence. And Samus unlocks these powers, which like, what a legendary moment at the end of that. I was like, wait, what? She's all green. And that's after like a, a pretty tough, yeah, a pretty tough boss battle. Mm-hmm. Um, thematically, I feel like you'd be able to talk about this really beautifully going back to what you first said, which is like you you land on the planet ZDR, ZDR. You're stripped of all of your abilities. And then we get to the end of the game where we think there are no more surprises. And then Samus unlocks these Metroid powers that we've never seen before. What story do you think that tells? I think it's really a testament to her willpower and Mm. just her desire to fight. Because you're thinking about like her as a narrative arc, right? She's like just this child and like kind of forced. I don't know if she's forced to fight against her will, but she's definitely forced to fight to stay alive because of her circumstances. And I think it really speaks to her as a character to be like, you know what? Like, I'm just so mad. I am so, so mad at how this has turned out that I'm just going to, I'm going to get a hyper beam. (laughs) I'm just going to destroy everything. And I think what's also really cool is it speaks to the way that she doesn't like lose herself in anger. Like she is Mm. angry. She's righteously angry, Mm. but she just kind of goes back to like her roots. And she's, she's so mad that she unlocks this power. That's like, so, so core to her being. Mm. And she's like, yeah, like, I have this vaccine to the X, but I'm so I'm just a Metroid now. And like, that's, that's just amazing. Yeah. I love what you said about anger, because I feel like typically whenever as a society, we talk about anger, it's always shown in a really negative light, Mm -hmm. but anger can also be used to become other things, right? To your point, it can be used to become willpower. It can be used for defiance, for survival. And like, what an incredible moment. I love when a game surprises me when I'm really not expecting it. And so that was a moment where I was like, man, this was a tough boss battle. And then you get to see that and you're like, oh, okay, this is, this is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It felt, it didn't feel cheap, which is what I really Mm, enjoyed. It felt like a natural progression of like, well, if our hero is going to keep going, there has to be some sort of like power scaling that makes sense. Mm, and the the thing about the anger also for me was that was really cool to see was like, I think it's actually kind of rare to show like women characters, especially mm-hmm. angry mm-hmm. in a way that isn't portrayed as like irrational or mm-hmm. like anything less than like completely like within reason. Yep. And One of the things that I've learned over the years about anger is that anger is a way of your own sadness trying to be a bodyguard for you. Mm. It's it's a way of your sadness, like something that makes you very deeply sad, communicating to you, hey, here's some energy to do something about it. Yes. And in Samus's case, she gets a hyper beam. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so she gets that and she gets to take out X and Ravenbeak which is like the the two things that have been plaguing and threatening her. Yeah. Maybe looking at Samus as a character, because we've both played, you've played more Metroid games than I have. They all start to blend into each other at some point. A a little bit, a a little (laughs) bit. But I mean, when you're playing a Metroid game, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's, there's a certain energy to a Metroid game. Even, you know, I'm thinking about my first playthrough of like Metroid Prime, Mm -hmm. which was very isolating just incredibly Mm -hmm. isolating, as was Echoes. Echoes was 
Mm-hmm. A very mm-hmm. isolating game. I felt that way playing Super Metroid. I, I felt less about Metroid Prime 3 because you're kind of paired up with other bounty hunters. Mm. But it, there, like, there's a certain energy and, and, for lack of a better word, vibe when when you're playing a Metroid game, which which is again this like fierce independence and just going back to that of Samus being this independent, strong bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. What do you think Samus is driven by? Do you think that it's sadness? Do you think it's something else? Hmm. That is a really good question. I feel like in some ways, some of her narrative is about protecting other people. And I say this because a lot of her tasking is her being sent somewhere and she's like the only one there. She's Mm -hmm. the only one who can do it. And in some, I'm trying to remember if this happens multiple times, but I just have really strong memories of a theme being like, oh, hey, there are these like creatures that need to be saved. Um, Can you go and like set them free? Can you like take them out of here? And in a lot of respects, like she is trying to prevent bad things from happening to other people. Mm-hmm. So I would say maybe at the heart of that, there's some grief there for herself. But mm-hmm. ultimately, I think she has a combination of like this really strong protective drive and also just like she's just so strong that she's mm-hmm. like, this is the action I can take. Of course, I'm going to go in there and like mm-hmm. fix it and fight. Yeah, I, I get the sense that Samus definitely has a sense of duty. And you're right, right? Like the, the beginning of Dread is the Galactic Federation getting a video that the ex-parasite still exists. Mm-hmm. And they they send the Emmy robots to investigate. They lose contact with them. And then they send Samus to investigate, mm-hmm. being like, we know that you're the person that's able to, to go and do this. And so Samus consistently throughout the series puts herself in danger's way because she sent to to, to do things that potentially only she is able to accomplish. So I agree. I think that there's definitely a sense of duty there. And I agree with you as well on the grief that she's, she's probably partially doing it because of grief. I mean, let's also be real. Like she gets kind of stuck in a lot of these games, yeah. if not all of them, because yeah. she comes and like everything gets messed up. She loses all her power. And then she's like, damn, <laughs> I better go and like keep fighting and like slowly get some power back. I don't know if she's consciously thinking about it, but if it were me in each of those situations, I'd be like, how dare you take away my morph ball? <laughs> it was, I I loved when you get the Varia suit. I was like, yes. It's one of my favorites. The colorway for that one tends to be really good. So good. What was the most emotional moment for you playing Dread or watching Dread? Mm, I'm thinking back to like all the cutscenes. I'd say I have two answers, two moments where I was overcome by emotion. The first one was the first time when I was still kind of playing before I like, I don't want to say I gave up, but I definitely like started handing the controller over to Mike more and more often as the game went on because I could just not keep up. But the first moment was definitely when you're you're like, I don't want to say sparring with the first Emmy, but like when you're trying to get around that first Emmy. I think this was the first Metroid where I actually lost my voice while I was playing because I was screaming so much. <laughs> I am not great at horror. I'm not great at suspense. I'm terrible Same. at thrillers. So Same. having this hulking like creature chasing after you, this hulking robot thing <laughs> threatening you. True. And if you mess up and you panic like I do, uh, you're gonna you're gonna scream quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think they really delivered on the dread aspect of dread. I think I said that previously, but I I will not ever stop saying it because it was 
Oh my gosh. The powerlessness that I felt mm. was so overwhelming. It was, it was emotional in the sense that I, I hadn't experienced that in a game and I, I almost wasn't ready for it because like we've been talking about, Samus is so strong. Like it was almost even more overwhelming to be killed as Samus than it would be if I were just some random creation that I had put together for a character. Uh, every time that I had to enter an Emmy room, mm-hmm. I think there was one point where I was like, again and I just said that out loud and was like I think I'm calling it a night like <laughs> you're like I'm gonna hit save yeah that's it I was like, yeah I was like and it like I was playing it in the evenings and it was just one of those like you mm-hmm. know what I'm I'm calling it a night I just I, I can't <laughs> I can't with this I can't with learning this Emmy room because I feel like when you when you learn how to navigate the room it it can sometimes be fairly quick to get to whichever exit you want to go to but mm-hmm. I I too do not have the re- reflexes that I thought I did. I, I think that I only maybe successfully parried an Emmy like three times of <laughs> in, in my entire playthrough. I, I was just, I just, I let fate do its thing when I got caught, basically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you got really familiar with that cutscene. I get sure squished. did. I sure did. It's horrifying. It's like, it, re- it really is. It's I, really I violent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they, they definitely deliver on the dread aspect. But yeah, thematically, like seeing Samus, who's this incredibly powerful warrior, be almost entirely powerless in that Mm -hmm. situation was like it's not something that I had ever experienced in a Metroid game I I, in all the other Metroid games that I've played I felt like I had some sense of control even when I was playing Echoes Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. in Echoes there's there's a split that creates another world in an alternate dimension Mm. which is which is dark ether and it's a mirror version of of ether Mm -hmm. the planet the world and its atmosphere is dangerous you take damage when you're in it and there are moments in that game where you're like oh it's it's gonna hurt if I walk into the wrong place but I always (laughs) felt like (laughs) I always felt like I had a sense of control because I could choose you know how I was going to traverse the land Mm-hmm. versus in dread, you're forced to go into these Emmy rooms. And so this feeling of helplessness, of like extreme helplessness, I-, I think they did a really good job of delivering for the player. I agree. It was a really nice new variable to keep it from feeling like just another one of the same, the same formula. I thought it was really well done. Agreed. Do you have any final thoughts about the game? I've never heard anybody say this about any Metroid game, so I'm going to say it because it's one of the things that tied me to Samus and to the Metroid series. But when I was a little kid first playing Fusion, I didn't have like a lot of exposure in the media to like big, strong women. And as somebody who grew up in a culture that was very much prioritizing, like, you know, be small, be really Mm. pretty, be Mm. like very presentable and kind of look this certain way so you'll fit in with the rest of your family. Getting to see and be Samus at Mm. like 13, 14 years old completely changed the way I viewed my body. Mm. It completely changed what I wanted to be and how I wanted, how strong I wanted to be. Because I remember seeing a picture of her like on the cover of something. Mm. Um, And Samus has these like broad ass shoulders, like her shoulders are so broad. And I remember feeling super self-conscious because in my family, like everybody's really petite and like, I have these like broad shoulders and like nobody else has them. And I was just oh, like, I have broad shoulders too. We've I'm spoken about this. you through the internet right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like kind of bringing it back to Metroid Dread, like 
seeing Samus again in higher detail in three dimensions, watching the way that they have her body move through space, just these like beautiful fluid movements, like the way that she runs, the way that she like clambers over the obstacles, the way that she like dips and ducks and rolls around. My gosh, like that is one of my favorite things about any Metroid game, but especially in Metroid Dread was seeing Mm. her kind of at full power in this like really gorgeously animated setting. It it filled me with so much joy. Mm. Um, And then to have them give her a voice as well in this one, that was the second most emotional moment for me when she uses her voice. And that in itself has so much power, like finally using your voice. It it brought me to tears. I remember I was like low-key crying. (laughs) Oh, I love that. And I was just like, oh my God. And she's using it to like speak up against somebody who like she formerly really trusted Um, I know for a lot of people, including myself, like using your voice in a setting like that can be really difficult. And to Mm. see her do it was just like, oh, chef's kiss. It was so good. Oh, my goodness. Yes to all of that. (laughs) Yes to all of that. You put that so beautifully. Thank you. Because I mean, I I love Samus as a character, but hearing you talk about Samus. Yes. Yes. I mean, we've worked out together before. And so even just going back Mm -hmm. to the physicality of it, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's to do all of the things that Samus does. (laughs) That translates into the real world of like, you need not only strength, you need so much flexibility to be able to do those things. Indeed. You need like... I mean, I know she has like some Chozo DNA in her. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, that that takes some real skill. And I think it's something that, um, you know, we see it in so many characters. We see it in a lot of the way that like movement is designed into a lot of games. I just, I love seeing her do it because she has like these supernatural, superhuman abilities. Like she can just become a little ball. Yep. So th- to watch the way that the movement was designed for her body is just so cool. Whoa, I I love I love how you spoke about all of that. Oh, thanks. That was, yes, I <laughs> loved I loved all of that. I'm so happy that we decided to cover Dread. In the beginning, I was like trying to remember. Oh my god! Like I just I didn't remember the plot points as strongly as I remembered the emotions I felt during the game. Yeah, I I mean that that's the case for me with any game that I play. And you know what I'm gonna talk about now. <laughs> <laughs> Near Automata. It's like, this is just going to be a theme. I feel like I'm just going to be mentioning this game so much. But yeah, I mean, like, I, I remember my first playthrough of that game. Yeah. In in great detail because of the emotion. And that that's why I love for this show. That's why I love focusing on the stories the games tell. Because, you know, no one's ever going to remember every single plot point unless you play one game and only one game over and over and over again and you know it like the back of your hand but I I think that it's the emotion emotions that are evoked when we play something that's that's important absolutely and you know not every game is a narrative game obviously but oh that was so beautifully said how you described Samus oh thank you I I love her so much She is such a wonderful character, and I hope that Nintendo continues to develop lots and lots and lots of games with her. (laughs) Me too. We'll have to play Metroid Prime 4 whenever that comes out at the same time then, because I'm going to need someone to just yell with. Uh, Yeah, that might be the second game in the Metroid series where I lose my voice. (laughs) (laughs) Ren. Marina. You have time to plug anything that you want. The floor is yours. Oh, shit. I didn't think about this. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I'm having one of those moments where you are at the cash register of a fast food restaurant and your mind goes completely blank. 
and the cashier is looking at you and you're like, I know I came here for a reason. Can you order, please? And and then you just like panic order and you get like like chicken nuggets. Chicken nuggies. <laughs> and you wanted to come in for a salad and you wanted like an adult meal and you walk away with your little kids meal, chicken nuggets. Look, I'm going to take chicken nuggies over most other things. <laughs> I am vegan, so I have to have the pretentious chicken nuggies, but I will always take the chicken nuggies. You have like... Chicken with the C-H-I-C-K apostrophe N. Yeah, exactly. But one thing that has been really helpful to me in my gaming journey that I think a lot of people may not know about and may be interested in reading or perusing more is a gaming website called caniplaythat.com. It's been really helpful to me because they post reviews. It's a group that I'm not affiliated with, but they do post reviews about what kind of accessibility features are in a lot of the most popular games that are released. So if you go to their website right now, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet came out very recently and they already have an accessibility review of, you know, if you have a visual disability, what can you come to expect? Is there anything for fine motor accessibility or deaf or hard of hearing accessibility? And so they break down all of these accessibility features, whether or not they exist in the game. And they post it in a really succinct, really well-written review. And it's a team of people. I believe they have a Patreon. And I just think that accessibility and disability-focused gaming journalism deserves to be supported quite a bit. I love that. And here's to more of that in the Metroid series as well. Yes, I hope they can add some toggles to my little fingers. <laughs> Don't get too fatigued. I remember Mike after uh, beating the final battle, he showed me his hand and he was like, look at this callus I have now. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. Ren, thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you for accommodating me. Thank you for talking about one of my favorite games ever and allowing me to wax poetic about why Samus is just phenomenal. I loved every minute of it. And (laughs) you're going to have to come back and we'll talk about more Metroid. Absolutely. Any game you want to talk about, I am here. Love it. Thanks, Ren. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. If you have thoughts and you're listening on YouTube, let us know what you thought about Dread or maybe what game you'd like to see covered next. As always, socials and links can be found in the description. Thank you again. Have an incredible day. Take care and see you next time.